Isaiah's trumpeting cry starts off with a hiss and a roar. Come down as you did on Mount Sinai, making it shake with your power and glory. We might be a little less enthusiastic about more earth-shaking, thank you. But still, reveal yourself, God. Conquer our enemies, including those last great enemies of disease and death. But then the prophecy takes an interesting little twist. Perhaps all this power and glory and the awesome display of God's holiness makes the people of Israel squirm a little. They realise the gap between their frail, fallible humanity and the holiness of God. But how they express this seems to us back the front. They turn on God. It's all God's fault. God, you were angry, and so we sinned. And because you hid yourself, we transgressed. Nobody calls on your name. You have hidden your face from us and delivered us into the hands of our iniquity. It's a bit like a sort of a, a, in a fit of petulance. Rather than acknowledging their own failings, they project these back onto God. God, it's not fair. Look at the state the world's in. If only you would do something obvious and knock out our enemies, then of course we'll worship you. Can you blame us for getting distracted on the way by other things? We've been busy. Things to do. Christmas is coming. It's a perennial problem for both theologians and atheists alike. Just where is God in the face of all the innocent suffering of the world? Where evil seems to triumph? Where human lives are so often just collateral damage? Where is God in all this? Is God silent? Is God hidden? I think one of the books I've lent out most over the time of my ministry is Philip Yancey's little book, just a very small book, but it's called Disappointment with God. Three questions no one asks aloud. And the three questions are, is God unfair? Is God silent? And is God hidden? I will never forget dear John Masters borrowing that book as he grappled uh, with some of the things he'd seen in Vietnam as a soldier there. One response to God's seeming hiddenness or absence from a suffering creation is expressed in a rather beautiful little story, a little Jewish midrash. One day God was talking with the angels about where to hide within creation so that humankind might not find God too easily but might grow through their searching. The first angel suggested the depths of the earth as a hiding place. No, said God, they will one day learn to dig mines and they will find me too soon. The second angel suggested, well, what about hiding on their moon? They'll never get there. No, said God, it won't be long before they too reach the moon with their technology. They will find me too soon. And it was the third angel who hit on a great idea. Why don't you hide yourself in their own hearts, for they'll never think to look for you there. So God did just that, and this is why it takes us so long to find God, step by step, as we live our lives. But eventually, searching and looking into our own hearts is what makes us grow. And that is the point that Isaiah finally comes back to, grounded in his heart and soul. Beautiful imagery, yet, O Lord, you are our father, we are the clay, 
and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Now consider, we are all your people. Well, 500 years or so later, Mark portrays in our gospel reading, Jesus sitting there teaching his disciples his farewell discourse to them before his passion. And they're sitting in the Mount of Olives, sitting on the hillside, overlooking the Kidron Valley and then looking over to that majestic temple. Jesus has predicted not only the destruction of the temple, but indeed of that whole great city of Jerusalem, all expressed in apocalyptic images of immense suffering and of total cosmic collapse, the universe itself seeming to unravel. But at that point, when the people cry out again, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. The Son of Man will come on the clouds with great power and glory, just as the prophet Daniel predicted. God's angels will gather the elect and rescue them from out of this world gone mad and bring them to safety in God. As Mark weaves his gospel together, we think the earliest gospel written perhaps in the early 70s. Jesus' followers in Jerusalem have indeed been caught up in such an apocalypse. The Jewish war against the Roman occupiers of the years 66 to 70 AD, culminating, as we know, happened in the total destruction of the temple and the city of Jerusalem by the Roman armies in the year 70. So this is a gospel written in wartime, in the face of immense destruction. And so is Mark reassuring his anxious Christian community that Jesus had foreseen their recent trials, had prophesied that this would befall their generation, and had urged them to keep alert, to keep awake, and to keep on looking for signs of God at work, and to keep on looking up in hope, even in the midst of suffering. Well, we look back from our time and we say, yet where is that Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory? Centuries have passed and there's still that cry of our hearts for God to tear open the heavens and come down, to act in our world, to vindicate all those who cry out for justice and long for healing. It's not surprising we say that most of the people we spend our lives among have long since given up on a God who seems silent or hidden or unmoved by a suffering world. And yet God has come. Rent open the heavens not in apocalyptic acts of judgment and destruction, not inflicting terror on all sides, but silently, hidden away, in that small backwater of the Middle East, that place crisscrossed by empires and armies even then. Our former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, wrote a beautiful poem simply called Advent Calendar, and it puts it like this. He will come, he will come, will come like crying in the night, like blood, like breaking, as the earth writhes to toss him free, he will come like child. 
he will come like child, human like us, made of potter's clay, breakable, sharing our joys and sorrows, vulnerable, willing to share this world's sufferings, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief, taking on the sting of sin and death from the inside through experiencing it with us and drinking that cup of suffering to its dregs. Then, only then, bursting out the other side into new life that we in Christ can share. That promise that we see uh, in the nest, the eggs of hope of new life. O oh God, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. God has come down in Christ. He will come like child. The heavens torn open when he came that night, that Christmas night. The heavens torn open at Jesus' baptism. The heavens torn open at his transfiguration. The heavens torn open again in the resurrection. May we find our hope this Advent in Christ who comes among us, hidden and silent as a child, and yet too promising to come one day in glory. And meanwhile coming, stealing into our hearts to reveal to us the God who loves us, who shares our lives, who brings us healing and hope. May we worship him afresh this Advent. <laughs> 